0: Hi friends, welcome to Pockets Full of Quarters, the storytelling show about games. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Petty, and I'm happy to be joined today by a bona fide gaming aficionado, dare I say, subject matter expert. Holy moly. Yep, absolutely. Holy moly. Holy pachimachi. <laughs> What is a mochi, Hachi Machi, my friend? It's hachi Machi, like holy moly! I'm just very. What just is Hachi Machi? I do not recognize. I this. I'm just flattered by by all of your compliments. Well, that's very kind. Of these these yeah. are merely statements of fact. Oh, Who shucks. are you, by the way?
1: Uh, my name is uh, Marty Sleva. Marty Sleva. Yeah. From where
0: do you hail, my friend?
1: <laughs> uh, I am an executive editor at IGN.com. Oh, that place! Yes, excellent.
0: The Imagine Games Network, if you will. <laughs> You're here today to talk about uh, games that we are thankful for. Mm -hmm. In particular, one, uh, this is a a game that has a special place in your heart. I'd like to get right to what makes it special. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about ye old Mother 2. Mother 2, or as uh, many of you probably know,
1: Earthbound. Yeah. Um, Yeah, when you uh, asked me about being on the show, um, a couple games came to mind, and then very clearly when I thought of Earthbound, I'm like, oh, if I'm going to spend x amount of time serenading a game for having nothing but positive effects and memories on my life it is 100 percent going to be earthbound
0: yeah for those who aren't familiar with show, uh, the show the idea is not necessarily this is about your favorite game mm-hmm. even it's, it's about something wonderful that you're mm-hmm. thankful for so i'm going to ask you this uh, marty just jumping right into it what is it about earthbound that makes you feel thankful that it exists and thankful that it was part of your life
1: there's uh there's a lot of elements of it and one uh, one facet of it is uh, I'm someone sort of obsessed with the idea of nostalgia and this is one of those games that reminds me so very clearly of my childhood and of which I find interesting because it is a game ultimately about that sort of period where childhood has to grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Thematically,
0: that's part of the game. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so I, I, I remember getting this game for Christmas of, I was a little bit late to the party. I think I got it Christmas 95. I want to say about hold. Right. Um, I would have been eight at the time. Okay. Um, and I remember it was something like I, 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 I'd read about the game in magazines and I'd done the scratch and sniff things they had this really interesting campaign of scratch and sniff to where you could win the game so it was all it was immediately yeah there's little there's little tickets that yeah, were given out in magazines yeah and, and had it was immediately something weird Weird, because like I had played some RPGs before, but I'd never played something that was set in a town that looked like mine. And,
0: had you what RPGs did you play prior to this?
1: Uh, I played uh, a lot of Squares NES, and then onto their Super Nintendo RPGs. Uh, I was still young, so. A lot of the, the, the sort of deeper mechanics were a little bit above my head, mm-hmm. but you know I always associated RPGs with with knights and dragons and monsters. Sure, the Dungeons and Dragons sure. heritage, exactly. Fair. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas this, you played a kid with a baseball hat, and instead of a sword, you had a baseball bat, and instead of potions, you rummaged around in garbage cans for hamburgers yeah. that gave you health. Um, and I remember I remember seeing this game and being like, "This is really interesting." Asking for it for Christmas. Getting it for Christmas, and then being floored that it came in this giant box that had a player's guide inside of it.
0: Yeah, it came came with the player's guide.
1: Came with a player's guide, and it wasn't just like a player's guide of like here are some tips on how to get through the game. The player's guide is like a work of art. It's it, it feels like a tourism guide. Oh, uh, that's cool. The entire the entire player's guide like unfolds like a, like a tour guide because this this whole game is about your journey from your little small town called Anet through. All of these different climates across the world, across—I think—Eagleton is the name of the the, the continent you're
0: on, mm-hmm. um, kind of a pseudo-America. Yeah, that, that it feels sure. like
1: a, like a sort of it taps into that like Amer- '50s Americana, mm-hmm. um, you know rock and roll fast cars a beatles-esque band
0: um through the lens of japanese development in the early 1990s
1: yes and so it is one of those fascinating takes where like it feels surreal like the game is like drenched in surrealism and Mm -hmm. magical realism uh you fight the enemies you fight in the game are are, are hippies and dogs and S- Ziggy Stardust inspired starmen and and piles of puke and, and Salvador Dali paintings and angry parking meters. Um, sounds like San Francisco. It sounds a little bit like San Francisco, yeah. It's just so, it was so immediately. Uh, just from a superficial lo- level unlike anything I'd played before mm-hmm. um, would you say the same
0: uh yeah I, I would say the same and i I think that you, you talk about the surrealism of it as a kid did you draw any distinction between the surrealism being strange for strange's sake versus strange for some sort of thematic oh hole? no like were you were you cognitive of of a, of a thematic center to all of this or did uh, as a kid way? no
1: uh, as an adult Who's replayed the game dozens of times? Yes, truly. Did that uh,
0: change how you enjoyed it?
1: Oh yeah, the, my my enjoyment of Earthbound has evolved with my the way I think and, and sort of think and admire video games. And I, as I've gotten older and as I've uh, grown to understand, you know, subtext and and how games are made. More uh, looking back at Earthbound, like I thought it was just a cute mechanic that your character could get homesick that Mm -hmm. you would need to either, you know, call your mom or visit home and get, you know, have her make your favorite meal, which is something you choose at the beginning of the game. You choose what your favorite meal is. What'd you choose the first Uh, time? I think it was pizza. Good choice. Yeah. It's a salt, but it's weird. Like I don't, If I went home, I wouldn't ask my mom to make me pizza. Well,
0: it it didn't ask what your mom's going to make. It asked what your favorite favorite food food was. And I think, again, that maybe some of that is the cultural divide. I mean, to this day in in Japan, at least as when I lived there not too long ago, uh, a lot of of meals are still homemade for families. Uh, And very often, while there are foods you would generally only get in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. uh, most things could be prepared in some way or another at home. And that happens a lot. So maybe that was some how some of that came through yeah
1: that's on that's a really good point um
0: i don't know i'm but, just speculating
1: i mean the fact like i thought that was just like a cute thing as a kid that, that the homesickness thing or the fact that your dad deposits money into your account like the more you fight you call your dad he's like hey i'm proud of you son i'd put some money in your
0: account yeah. you're then, frank you're, you're, you're friendly but absent father yeah
1: exactly you've never he's just always working he's like staying late at the office tonight um that but, also predicted. Yeah, bit, just, yeah, yeah. That's very <laughs> Japanese there. Um, <laughs> no, but, I think yeah. I think
0: I think we, we understand <laughs> yeah, that pretty well yeah, in our context guess, of life yeah. as well.
1: Um, but as as I've grown up, like the idea of homesickness as a mechanic in a game, games which are so often about going on journeys and leaving the familiar for the unfamiliar and exploring the the dark corners of maps that aren't you know haven't been filled in yet. Uh, the fact that it would tackle homesickness. Is so incredible to me, and the fact that a game in the in the mid '90s did that uh, is is incredible. And that's just one of the that's one of the infinite things in Earthbound that these tiny touches that are just so. <sighs> trope-defying uh, that I didn't pick up on as a kid, but as I replayed it as an adult, it's just such a magical thing.
0: Well, you said didn't pick up on it as a kid. Did you still enjoy it as a kid?
1: Oh, I loved it as a kid. I thought the... I loved the characters. Um, I loved the battle system. The music immediately um, I fell in love with. And the fact that I loved that the game was ultimately about sort of finding these... Almost like the the, <laughs> the natural wonders of this world and and tapping into their songs that that mm. and the, you find these wonders and and you start to learn their songs which in turn creates this like melody which you're trying to use to ultimately save the universe from this this strange force that just seems to sort of be a manifestation of all of your fears and anxieties it's kind of like pennywise <laughs> yeah it's, it's
0: kind of like yeah. pennywise meets like a weird freudian tokinian it's like the 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 middle earth creation story through the lens of Sigmund Freud. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, you start to see
1: what Gygus looks like, and you're like, this is all very very strange.
0: Yeah, and that sounds esoteric. If you've never experienced Earthbound, if you've never played it, it's kind of hard, I think, to convey how all the weird fits together Mm -hmm. so well. Yeah. Um, it, It is... Kind of like the Matrix, you have to see it for yourself, yeah. uh, or or at least I lack the powers yeah. of articulation to express what what brings it together. But it does feel like a series of weird and quirky incidents that that at first seem almost random, yeah, and then you start to see an order come out of it sure uh, the story threads unfold in different places i mean you'll just jump into the role of another character you'll
1: be another character in a in a snowy setting and you're like who is this? Who's this nerd with glasses in the snow you're like i don't know who this is and then all of a sudden you're like oh i love this character
0: yeah and kid you was yeah. was totally yeah. groovy with yeah. that yeah um but adult you you talk about a magic yeah uh, going back to it things change
1: uh yes i i started to i remember as a kid uh one of the things in the game is is in the first city on that there's a uh, house you could buy it's the only piece of property in the game you could buy it costs a lot of money um and there's just like a weird dude outside is like you don't want like this house like this house is legit you want this house and i remember as a kid being like all right i'm gonna save up and later on in the game i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna buy this house you buy the house and you i spent all my money you get inside the house and the house is a wreck And half of it's missing and it just looks out into the ocean and literally the house is like cut in half. There's no awesome weapon. There's no secret boss. There's no hidden treasure. It's just that. And as a kid, I remember being like, this is the worst. I'm gonna. I can't do this. Like, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna save Scrub. I'm gonna go back yeah. to my previous save. As an adult, I think that is absolutely <laughs> genius. Like, I think it is so funny and so smart. And I think like an element like that, I think, is so good. I think the fact that you meet when you meet the Mister Saturns that they speak in like wingdings. <laughs> <I remember laughs> as a kid being like, why can't I understand them? And then I'm as an adult, I'm like. They're giant noses. What does it matter if they speak as windings? I, I just keep
0: hearing Carrie always in the Princess Bride. Yeah. going, get used to disappointment. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a lesson for life. Yeah. It's like the end of an A.A. Milne yeah. book. You're just I you're mean, just done for. And
1: then little elements like uh, there's uh, you meet this pair of inventors, the Apple Kid and the Orange Kid, and one of them is this this. You know, handsome, charismatic, lives in a beautiful house, and one is just—he's got like stink lines coming out of him. He kind of lives in a trash pile. He's just a mess. He's got like a little rats running around his house, and you have to choose which one you're going to invest money in, and like. I don't know. Logic should tell you, like, oh, well, this guy's got his stuff together. Let's give him the money. It's like, no, that guy's just going to use your money and give you nothing useful. Like, in <laughs> order to progress with the game, you need to put your faith and realize that, like, you know, that don't don't judge this book by a cover. Like, if you need to get past that giant pencil statue, don't worry, he'll make you a giant pencil eraser.
0: And you can learn this from the player's guide. You can learn this from the
1: player's guide, which. Uh, I just like that the game is like, there's a giant pencil statue in front of you. How are you gonna get past it? And you're like, Well, I'm gonna use a giant eraser. Exactly. This so of is, course, this, is,
0: this makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah, most of the puzzles do make sense. Oh, there's that one door that you have to stand in front of for like three minutes. Do you remember? Oh, that? in the in the waterfall. In yeah, order to get into yeah. Master Belch's base. That I that that one's a little obdurate. Yeah, that's a little that's but, a little that's a little Castlevania too right there. But that's a tiny Part of a vast oh absolutely game and and actually again it fits the tonally it's quite congruent oh totally the, yeah
1: and I just love the um it's it's in current RPG uh, standards it's a relatively light party there's only four characters yep. um they each have like a very specific role uh ones ones all about magic ones about sort of using gadgets one uh, but I I also love that you get there's these amazing moments like when you encounter the fourth party member Poo who it's sort of like a, a a Shaolin monk in this floating kingdom. Uh, his like sort of his his I don't know what what I would what I would call it like his bar mitzvah. <laughs> what, what I don't know what the Shaolin version of a bar mitzvah. Is.
0: Whatever it is, that's what's going on, <laughs> or something very much like it.
1: Uh, but it does this his, thing, coming, of his coming of age his uh, coming of age where. Uh, They do this really great fourth wall breaking thing, which again, in the think we're in the 16 bit generation. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten to, you know, the PlayStations and Xboxes yet. Um uh it does this thing where where it takes away your senses. So it takes away your sight and the screen goes black, it takes away your sound and the sound goes away. Yeah. And it takes away your tongue, and so the speech goes away. Mm -hmm. And it is just this amazing, interesting thing, and then you come back, of course, and you're finally done with your training, and you're yeah. able to because you now appreciate, the, you know, what what these things are gifts and shouldn't be taken for granted. And, and- yet,
0: somehow, in a sixteen-bit RPG featuring. American school children you're mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of I have no mouth yet. I must scream.
1: scream exactly exactly <laughs> this was the same game that earlier you were th- you were setting firecrackers off at like weird weird snakes in the middle of the forest
0: it's a game about uh, it's a game about how big the world is yeah. and about how big life is mm-hmm. not just how it's a big planet although that's part of it too but and not just about how getting older changes you but uh, I, I do think there's something to be said for the idea that it's a mystical game it's mm-hmm. a game about uh, those things that exist Outside the dimensions of of sight and sound yeah, Uh, yeah. it's a very Twilight Zone thing. It also reminds me a lot I've shared this Phrase in Pockets before uh, of the Robert Heinlein line from uh, Starship Troopers where he's from the the Mm -hmm. novel where a character says something to the effect of um, People who have never been to other planets don't really believe in them not Mm -hmm. deep down where it counts. Yeah Um, and Earthbound's a great illustration Mm -hmm. of that part of reality, that yeah. maybe there's more to the world than what you've seen and experienced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and thematically, that keeps coming up. Yeah. And that the world changes you just as you change the world because you're the hero of Earthbound and you're changing things, definitely, but you're changing too. All right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're growing up and characters you meet, characters who knew you as, you know, a child in the first town will see you later on in the game and be like, oh, you've changed, man. Like, mm, you've changed. And the world... I don't know, it's kind of funny because like a character is in that transformative age, which is sort of like the age I think my appreciation for the game lasted throughout those transformative years. But it is the the strange surrealism of all of the sights and sounds that Ness and his friends experience. When you think about your own childhood, some of the things you think about, you're like, "Man, how do all of these fit together? How do all these strange people and places and things and events like they all sound so like tall y mm-hmm. They all sound like like a myth. Mm-hmm. Um, but when stitched together, it's almost like big fish. You're like, that's my life. Like, huh. That was what it is. You put it together.
0: Yeah. Have you had moments in your life that Earthbound reminds you of? I mean, do you? Do you yeah, do? I would
1: say. Uh, I would say homesickness. Uh, I would say the awe of uh getting to foreside for the first time which is sort of the it's it's the first big city you get to in the game it's new york city um and i love the fact that there is a um you go you you go into the back of a bar in foreside and you you futz with something and then you are transported to a nighttime neon version called moonside and to me i'm just like as an adult i'm like yeah that's what most cities are like to me most cities have a day and a night and, like, hmm. San Francisco during the day is very different than San Francisco at night. Expound. Um, uh, San Francisco during the day is uh, – the, the neighborhood I live in uh, in particular are uh, shops and cafes and you see families with kids in strollers and dogs and, you know, people in suits. And, you know, it's, it's sort of people going about their normal every day. Then at night, I live in a street just packed with bars and clubs. And it's just – a terrifying sensory overload, a terrifying sensory overload that I love, Mm -hmm. but it is very much a like, oh, okay, it's moonside now. It's no longer fourside. Wow, that's (laughs) really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I love that. I think uh, any big city, uh, like Tokyo during the day feels very different than Tokyo at night. New York during the day feels very different than New York at night. Um, And I think that's a really, it expresses it in... Sort of a, 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 through a magical realism lens, but through, I think, a really effective and evocative one.
0: You mentioned magical realism. Yeah. Is this, is this, I mean, can you think of an earlier instance of magical realism in games that, that's Yeesh. Ca- um, there's some stuff in, in computer gaming, I think, yeah, that falls down that line, but I wondered if you'd encountered anything in console gaming before this. <sighs> no,
1: like there are very, there's very much fantasy things, but I wouldn't say any of the Square RPGs mm-hmm. do that. Um, you could make an argument that Mario, at its core, strange <laughs> magical realism, especially when you go into some of the lore of like all of the blocks are citizens. Of yeah, the that you're, kingdom. That you're
0: mur- every time you break a brick, you're yeah, murdering yeah, someone. Yeah. Like, or
1: the fact like Mario three is
0: all a stage play. Uh, yeah, Mario three is a stage play. I, I love. that
1: that's I don't even think that's a theory. I just think that's yeah. I, and
0: just, and Super Mario World when they're all literally doing the curtain call. The call wow. yeah, yeah, That's just yeah. that's just the best. I, yeah. Uh, you played "I Want to Be the Guy." Yeah. Right? Um, did you finish it? I didn't know. Uh, so you want "I Want to Be the Guy," renowned for its terrible difficulty mm-hmm. and uh, uh, extraordinary and purposeful difficulty, mm-hmm. which is part of what makes the game beautiful. You know, the, the classic example is you run underneath an apple and it falls and kills you. You jump over the apple, it falls up and kills yeah. you. Um, but in the credits to that, there's a, a, a sort of a. Uh, tribute to the super mario mm-hmm. world and mega man kind of endings where you're going along and marching and the happy but there's an apple that can fall on you and kill I you i love that and the <laughs> in the, <laughs> the in, in the current, end, end that's credits. beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> that moment that game has so there's that beautiful moment where dracula you've got dracula from symphony mm-hmm. and he's doing the what is a man yeah, yeah and but enough have at you and he tosses the wine glass yeah. What's well, a cut scene and you're but if you don't move the wine glass falls on your head and kills you yeah it's I love that. That taught me a lot about life. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't move, the wine glass might kill you. Back to Earth. Back. Yeah. Uh, that, that's. You mentioned much earlier, and I want to ask you about this mm-hmm. a little bit about this. The combat system. Yeah. You actually called that out. Yeah. What was it about the combat system you liked?
1: Uh, it was very simple, and it was very much uh, inspired by the the Dragon Quest combat system, where mm-hmm. you don't see your characters. Uh, you sort of enter this this psychedelic planescape and you see the enemies in front of you. One thing it did there was when you encounter an enemy out in the wild, it's just like a couple a couple of sprites. Like it's not very impressive looking. The enemy design, the character design in battle is wonderful. Uh, from just standard, you know, scrub mobs of enemies to the what the insane bosses look like, whether they're psychic ants or like kung fu cops or giant piles of puke or or you know a pair of dragons or robots or aliens um the art immediately stood out uh and then i really loved the sort of the quips the game would have Mm -hmm. uh like instead of it saying you missed your attack it would be like uh the crow looked into your eyes and knew what you were going to do beforehand It dodged your attack. And so it's like these, these like little poems inside of there. Yeah. Sometimes you would get a side character for a little bit. That would be like your dog. And you assume your dog is going to be like a great companion, but he's just a coward. <laughs> and it's like the dog's like the dog hid behind. Like it gets to the dog's turn. And it said, like, the dog hid behind you because it doesn't want any part of this. <laughs>
0: That's so like really beautiful. Um, That's where I, I, there are other things to say about the combat, but I must confess that was a bit of a leading question. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you'd mention that yeah. the, the, attention to seemingly superfluous whimsy yep, yep. and earthbound mm-hmm. what's that all about you know what again
1: it's a weird thing to know like i imagine the dialogue wise this was there in the japanese version because this game is like really incredibly localized yeah. uh which is i think one of the earlier examples of a game that just like nailed the localization really well um but it's just i i don't know why the whimsy is there but it works in so many interesting ways like you can get uh in the first half of the game you can get a party member that's just a teddy bear that you uh have with you and the teddy bear can't attack but the enemies will think it's a uh one of your party members and so it has x amount of hp that instead of attacking you they'll attack the teddy bear and then eventually they're like they ripped it to shreds teddy is gone and i'm like <laughs> oh now i feel like I, after that happened the first time i'm like well i'm not gonna buy another one of these because like i feel bad for it and i'm like why do I feel bad for the teddy bear and not for like the Paula, my, the girl in my party, who's like also getting attacked by these ravens and cultists who are obsessed <laughs> with the color purple. Um, yeah, it makes you think about things in really like, I don't know, strange, interesting ways. Like it, it does weird things, but I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board, mm-hmm. I'm on so board with purposeful brand whimsy, one, purposeful whimsy that I buy into so quickly every time I play the game. Is it off putting? I don't think it's off putting at all. Yeah, no, I don't know. um, yeah, I think like and I think it's great that the game by going on this this journey through all the various towns in the world, you never know what's around the next corner. Like you go from a town filled with like skateboard punks and corrupt cops to uh, a cult that is a, a carpentry cult obsessed with painting things <laughs> blue and purple to uh, a town infected by zombies to this this day and night uh, giant city foresight to a desert where there's a mine guarded by five ancient moles to a, a, you get to this dinosaur world where your your characters turn into little sprites like just two pixels on the screen because the camera's zoomed out yeah. so big to show you that. Um, just a beautiful, weird setting after setting.
0: How's Earthbound made you a better person?
1: I think Earthbound... Has made me a better person, because I've somehow in my life, some of my the the people I've grown to know and hold dear share the same affinity for me. We didn't grow up together, and we met through circumstances like work. Uh, but like meeting you and talking to Earthbound or meeting Andrew Goldfarb and talking to earthbound or or uh, Jose Ortero or Jeremy Parrish, all these people who I've, in my career, I've grown to admire, learn from, and befriend. Like we all shared, we have very different tastes in games, but EarthBound is this one thing we all share. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we all played it at our at that time in our life where it was something so different and so unique that it just hit us.
0: I heard uh, Ray Barnholt speak mm-hmm. to something like this similar once, but when I moved to Japan, I was still blown away by it, even though I, I kind of expected some of it. Mm-hmm. Walking into a, a culture from the other side of the world that I'd never visited before and discovering that I had childhood and adolescent touchstones mm-hmm. that I shared with my students who had grown up on the other side of the planet, mm-hmm. that these video game moments were the same for us. Yeah, That that down to blowing on the cartridge and sitting on the floor in mm-hmm. front of the old CRT early in the morning, The one of the happiest moments of my adult life was just geeking out with uh, with a lady in a Sony factory, mm-hmm. about Suikoden in two. Yeah, as three other students looked on in bemusement. Yeah, yeah. As we both discovered that that we we had fallen down the Suikoden the hole together. Yeah, yeah, you know it, it, it was just very very yeah. funny. Um, and being like, I don't speak the same language as you. I grew up in 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 a culture that. That in many ways could not be more different. Sure, In yeah. Its expectations and its construction, yeah. And its and its government and, and its educational system, and yet, I feel like I grew up next door to yeah. you. That's strange. And yeah. so the fact that you had that through Earthbound with yeah. so many people around you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it also it's it's it represents uh, how far gaming as a whole, in terms of like pop culture, has come that i was like the only person i knew as a kid in my small town in wisconsin who would played earthbound and so i didn't really have anyone to talk to about it um But now I've met all these people, and I'm like, oh, a bunch of us were those kids in that small town who played it and didn't have anyone to talk about it with. And now you go, there was an EarthBound convention in uh, Arizona last year that's just about EarthBound. Mm -hmm. There's, if you go to Green Apple Books, which is this incredible bookstore in San Francisco, there's a giant wall dedicated to video game books, and several shelves of it are books about EarthBound, (laughs) whether it's books about EarthBound or art or fan game or stuff. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, I thought I was the only one mm-hmm. and I feel like a million kids thought they were the only one. And it's just one of those examples of like, no, you're not. Um, and the internet sort of made that to where it's so easy to realize you're not the only one yeah. because of the internet now, because there's and earthbound was admittedly like, uh, Starman.net was one of the first major fan sites. I remember mm-hmm. that like really was just like so singularly championing one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just to me indicative of
0: that, sort
1: of shared experience that we didn't realize we were having back then. I love that. Yeah.
0: If you ever make a video game, what are you going to steal from Earthbound?
1: If I ever made, uh, if I ever made an RPG, I would love to steal the sort of creative writing aspect of like describing what's happening. It almost, it didn't, it didn't feel like it felt like the difference between a good dungeon master who's, like, telling the story and making it exciting and one who's just, like, you rolled for five damage, which is what most RPGs, you know, <laughs> kind of feel like. Like, Earthbound, like, almost, like, it has this, like, energy and pace and, and s- s- like, complete sense of the unexpected that, that I really appreciate, and I feel like that's one thing I would take from it.
0: That's really cool. Mm-hmm. You uh, haven't talked much about the ending. Yeah. I'm really curious. Uh, Earthbound's ending is... Be fitting mm-hmm. its structure, yep. but also very different. Yeah, what are your thoughts about the way that Earthbound comes together uh, in its climax?
1: Uh, wh- how far into the end? Like,
0: uh, I'll let you answer f- that as uh, you yeah. as you see fit. So you, what's the ending to Earthbound to you? I guess that'd be
1: the thing that amazes me is uh, so through the game, Paula, one of your party members, uh, she has an ability called Pray, where she prays, and sometimes it gives you a, a like. It'll heal you a little bit. It's a random thing; you don't really know what it's going to do. Um, I never used it in the game because I was like, "Well, she has she has weapons and she it has."
0: It feels like a kind of quirky weapons. mechanic that seems kind of like almost like a throwaway. I thought because yeah.
1: it was to me, it was prey because she's the first party member you get after Ness, and to me, it was just one of those funny things like, "Oh, I bought this house and there's nothing in it." Yeah. <laughs> um, in the end, you you are facing the final boss, Gygus, after you've transformed yourself into robots and sent yourself back in time on what felt like a suicide mission. It gets real serious it there for It gets a bit. real weird, real yeah. serious. Yeah. Um, and you realize that you can't, your your baseball bats and your magic and your swords and your all-powerful bottle rockets do nothing like this. You can't beat Giygas. Giygas was here long before you existed, and Gaigas will be here long after you exist. Um, the only thing you can do is pray. Well, he's just pummeling your team, you can pray. And as you're praying, uh, your pray, your prayers are heard by the characters whose lives that you've bettered throughout the game. And yeah. you start seeing these little cutscenes of of characters you've encountered along the way and, and through the quest you've helped them a little bit and you've taught them and they've taught you. And they hear your prayers and they answer your prayers with prayers of their own. And so as someone who's not, I don't consider myself religious, but I, I think it's a powerfully moving moment and an incredibly risky design decision that I think thematically really pays off that it's if this is a game about a journey of you discovering who you are by being a good person and helping the people you meet along the way and them informing you who you are that that being the payoff of the game and the only way to complete it I think is beautiful
0: what did you think of uh you mentioned entering in your favorite food. Yeah. At the beginning. You yeah. also enter in the name of the person playing the game, which yeah. is distinct from the name of your character. Sure.
1: Yeah. It's your it's who's playing the game and it's you okay. assume it's just to clarify save files. What so a, that
0: you and your brother and your sister can play on three different save files. Except it's not. It's not <sighs> because at that ending also yeah. as all the entreatments for prayer come out. Yeah. Um it asks you. Yeah. Who's which, playing the game yeah. to pray for them? Yeah.
1: Did you say a prayer for them? I, I remember being like, again, this was fourth wall breaking stuff before I knew what that meant. Um, and so I did feel like as a kid, I closed my eyes for a little bit and was like, I hope I get through this. And it happens. And it's such a, because it really does feel like like I mean, this game is... Uh, Itoy was the was the lead uh, developer and and writer on it and he was a he was a Japanese novelist yeah copywriter, um, copywriter novelist, yeah um and this just felt like such a incredibly warm genuine and earnest thing to put in the game and I almost felt like it was his way of like thanking you hmm. like in the same way that the Mario characters might like wave at you at the end of a game like yeah. this was his way of incorporating it into that really emotional moment at the end and then it follows up with what I think is really beautiful of you sort of backtracking your way through the world and saying goodbye to these friends you made. And you might not ever see, you know, the, the Shaolin monk or you might not ever see the, the inventor from Winters again. You might not yeah. ever see Paula again. Um, but it doesn't in any way sort of take away what happened before it because those you'll always have that.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. That's uh, uh... – that's a, that's that's something I can be thankful for.
1: Yeah, and that's a and Earthbound is definitely a game that, uh, whenever it gets re-released in any iteration, I always go back and, and replay it, and I always get excited uh, for folks who haven't played it because I think it is a game that is every bit as as. Beautiful and memorable and impacting and entertaining uh, in 2017 as it was uh, in the mid 90s.
0: Yeah, to, analogy is always suspect, mm-hmm. but I feel like Earthbound is video gaming's Wizard of Oz. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing this, Marty. I know. And, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm really thrilled mm-hmm. uh, to have you here. And folks, uh, if you uh, want to write to us and talk about uh, the games that you love, the address is mail at com. That's mail at pocketsfulsoup.com. We also want to thank our Patreon producers, Nick Rie and Robert Nieder, whose uh, generous support makes this show possible. And uh, we'd also uh, like to thank our friend, Robbie Suave, who wrote the theme song. So Beautiful. thank you, Robbie. Um, folks, uh, it's good to, uh, good to play games. Go play some. Thanks, Marty. Welcome.